Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. All right, in studio, Pulitzer Prize-winning writer Eugene Robinson. Uh, this is still twice a week, you write? Still twice a week. Twice a week, mm-hmm. politics, everything, you name it. He gets he writes about it. How many how, how many years have you been with the Washington Post, Eugene? Oh, Joe, I'm, um, uh, I'm proud to say it. I, I'm not embarrassed, but I'm 43. Wow. 43 with, with, with years. With the Washington Post? With the Washington Post. I came to the Washington Post in, um, my first day was in January of 1980, and my first job was covering Marion Barry. Uh, who had who was the mayor? He had been elected in '78, had taken office in '79, I think, and um, uh, and so I always um, I, later um, later in his life when I would run into the mayor, um, he would always say, "Gene Robinson, I made your career." I made your career. I got you on the front page, and yes, he did. He got me on the front page. You know, it's I, I'm laughing because. There's some similarity. When I first came to do uh, talk radio here, it was WWRC. Uh-huh, yeah. And I had just gotten fired at WWDB in Philadelphia. That's, that's one um, Yeah, but that happens. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I got in the, uh, at the, the night mm-hmm. that Marion Barry was arrested. Oh my! At the Vista Hotel. Oh my! See, I was I was out of town at the time. I've been I've done a bunch of different jobs at the Post, and I said, "What what year was that?" that I was don't it. remember. But whatever we can year, look it up. Whatever year it was, up. I was a I was away. I was uh, I was overseas for the Post um, wow. correspondent for. Six years, I was in. Um, you you uh, had moved on to beyond city. Yeah, hall. exactly, exactly. I had I had covered city hall for a couple, just a couple of years, yeah. and then they tricked me into being an editor for a few years, and <laughs> then they. Now, why? But well, but, you know, just just for a couple months, oh, right? Yeah. And so, um, so uh, you know how things happen. I I was like an assistant city editor, and then the the deputy city editor, no city editor, um had to leave so somebody got promoted and I got I became the deputy city editor and then the city editor um the woman named then a woman named Claudia Townsend um uh decided she was going to take a leave and have a family and so I looked up and I was 30 years old I was city editor yeah. of the Washington Post I was in charge yeah. of coverage of it was, it was, DC so yeah. so I did that and then I went and then I I had a Neiman fellowship and then I went right. overseas wow. I was in Argentina for 4 years and London for a couple of years yeah. and it was during that time when I was away that that, yeah. that 19, you arrived in Well Marion. That, yeah uh, Sherry just looked it up 1990 1990 1990 okay. 1990 and, and, I was in yeah. um I was in Argentina I was in a, I I got into Washington hotel down the street mm-hmm. on the vista and I didn't yeah, I didn't know much about Washington and I was assigned I was asked to go out to Annapolis mm-hmm. and cover a debate on I don't know abortion some issue uh-huh and then, and I turned on the television. Oh my! And uh, Marion Barry has been arrested. 
So I immediately called mm-hmm. the program director. Yeah. And I said, I assume I won't be going to a nap. I guess <laughs> and, not. I guess I, not. I, I, I walk down, take that microphone, and head down to the Vista exactly. Hotel. Exactly. The and Vista it, Hotel. Oh, I remember it was oh. right there on uh, M Street, right yeah. around the corner from where the Washington yeah, Post was. Yeah. And I just remember wow. what I my my memory of that is that grainy video. Of him in the room, and and and, 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 and we can say this on yes. satellite radio. And okay, the bitch, and set bitch set me up. up. <laughs> bitch set that, me up. That that was that was the line that, that, the that line. came out. How did you, uh, Eugene? How you, Eugene? Ron, how did you get in? And first of all, you born where? I born in uh, Orangeburg, South Carolina. How did you get into journalism? Okay, well, it was um um one I was when I was in high school, I wanted to be an architect. Um. I went to, um, so I graduated high school in, in, in Orangeburg. I was one of the early class, not the first, but second or third um, uh, class of black students to go to what had been previously the white high school, mm-hmm. um, which was an experience. Uh, but, um, uh, and I ended up, I, I went to the University of Michigan. Um, my Michigan from South Carolina. Well, my dad was from Ann Arbor, actually. Really? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. His his parents had done the Great Migration, starting in Mississippi all the way up to right. to um, and had ended up in Ann Arbor somehow. Hmm. And uh, so that's where my dad grew up. My dad and my two uncles are the only two, um, uh, only three black men of that generation. I know of who went to an integrated high school because it was a lefty right. college town right. way back then. Right. So, right. Um, uh, and then he moved south to marry my mother. Um, they had met after the Second World War. He was still in the army. She was in Atlanta. They met, and so anyhow, he moved back south for love to Orangeburg. But but he had gone to Michigan. My uncle had gone to Michigan. My aunt had gone to Michigan, and. And it had an architecture school, a very good architecture school, and it just seemed like the natural place to go. So I went to, um, and I had relatives in the area too. My, mm-hmm. uh, and my uncle and my grandmother lived out of town, outside of town. So, um, uh, so I went to the University of Michigan. Um, the first, by the end of my first month there, I learned two things. Number one, I was not going to be an architect because I was one of the, uh, I was maybe the worst student in architecture 101 i just didn't have the aptitude for it right and and but i had i had wandered into the student newspaper it was a very very good student newspaper the michigan daily and something clicked something said wow this is this is Fabulous. But you this you is, you say you wandered in. I yeah. mean, what I mean, I to, what to for, buy newspapers? No, or what, no, no. What? I was looking for some extracurricular. Uh, thing oh, an to outlet. Do. What am I going to do here? Yeah, yeah. Right, and and um, um, because they said find an extracurricular activity you like, and I, I, I to this day I do not know what made me walk in wa- walk in there. But I walked in there and I just said, "Wow, this is interesting," you know. So I I, I just came back and. What was there was first, no process or anything. What was your first assignment? You remember? I don't remember, but it was to um, you know, to to 
to cover some little um, some little meeting of some student government body and or then something like a- that. After and and then I, was that it? I'm, I'm, this is what I want to well, do. Well, within within a month or two, it was clear this is what I want to do. Really? I still remember when I called my mom and dad. They they both passed now. Obviously, they've been um, but but they um, uh, they they lived long and full lives, and they were both. Um, uh, very educated. Um, my dad had a law degree. My mom had a couple of master's degrees. She was a librarian. She was a librarian at a historically black college in Orangeburg, uh, Claflin University. And uh, um, so I called I called them and to, to tell them that this architecture thing I had been talking about for years, this wasn't going to work out. But but I was interested in in journalism, and um, and my mother laughed. Really? And, yeah, she laughed and she said. You know, we always wondered where this architecture thing came from because you can't draw. You don't really have a visual <laughs> sense. Uh, and then she said, but I always thought you would write. Really? Um, and I said, really? And she said, yeah, you always wrote very easily. I'd say I always thought writing was just something that you did. It was not anything special. You just wrote it down. Now, does, does, it, so, does it come easy to yeah, you? Yeah, it does. Really? It does. Yeah, and I've learned. I didn't, I, I, no, I don't always think it's easy. You know, sometimes I'm sitting there and I, and I feel like I'm struggling to say what I want to say. But I have learned that, yes, it comes very easily to me, that uh, more easily to me than it does to a lot of people. Because I just thought that, okay, you just, what you hear in your head, you just write it down. And then, uh, and you just follow it through this way so it's so yeah Yeah, for me it's different i i struggle with writing you know i put you know the book i have now you know um uh, radioactive uh-huh but yeah now i can i i, I, good book, I but thank you i appreciate it's a really that good book. yeah y'all buy it you've been in it's been endorsed so anyhow but but the thing is it, it, i can i have to i can sit with you uh-huh. As a writer, uh-huh. and I can say blah 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 because we're unscripted here. Yeah, but I would not be able to write it to to write uh-huh. it down. See, for me, it's a lot easier to write it than you know, to speak it. Than to speak it, right? So I couldn't do what you do um, to talk. Um, but you do intelligently. Now hold on. Not in your league. Yeah, but all right, all right, all right. Now, now hold on. So that leads me. <clears throat> To one of the things you've been writing about, uh-huh. so let's let's take it. Let's do word association. Uh-huh. All right, um, you've been writing about a lot of topics, and and I got to tell you, I am a big fan. I listen and watch and and read what you write, and then I come up here and say, "What's wrong with him?" No, <laughs> we, we no, we we know each other very we well. Um, let's. Uh, um, Let's talk about we just classified documents. I, yeah. When you came in and sat down, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, here, all right. Here's what I said, and mm-hmm. I want to. I said that look, there are probably in Washington D.C. and I, mm-hmm. I, there are probably more classified documents yeah. in somebody's garage, yeah. whatever. Every secretary or whoever yeah. that see Walter Fontroy told me this one day. Uh-huh. If if a, in those days, if somebody saw a class of something marked classified or top mm-hmm. secret, yeah, they went to the Xerox machine and made a copy. Made of a it. copy, right? Yeah, am I, I right? Uh, and yeah, and then no, put true. that sucker in a desk somewhere. It's true. And now, now, so what is your take on on the on well, what we're going through? Because my calls 
have been solid for the last two hours and uh-huh. weeks, for that matter, about this. About this. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, it, so um, you're absolutely right about the context. The larger context is, number one, our government classifies way too much stuff. You know, what was the, um, you know, what was the weather report for um, uh, for Moscow on, um, you know, X and X date? And because they got it from some, you know, satellite or whatever, they stamped secret on it. And then it's, it's like secret for 25 years or something like that. You know, the weather report on a date 20 years ago. I mean, that sort of thing. Um, they put classified markings on. Um, Sometimes there are legitimate reasons, you know, sources and methods. Sometimes people are, oh, I'm glad we're on satellite radio because I can say it. Oh, you can say it. I I got a cuss jar here. Okay, no, people are covering their ass. I mean, that's what they're doing. And and so, yes, exactly, exactly. And so stuff that they prefer not to be public um, um, because it would be embarrassing to them or their boss or their this or their that or whatever um, uh, gets classified um, and uh, and um, or when in doubt you know classify it classify it and so they classify millions of documents every year. Now, not everything is at this top, top secret. What we level, call top secret, yeah. Not everything we're talking about in this whole discussion about classified documents in people's house. Not everything is at the top uh, secret now, level. Now, am I no. accurate in saying that we? You don't know what is how it's classified, right? You, I mean, mm-hmm. you're in the journalism business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh-huh. and I'm assuming no one has has said. Right. We don't know what Biden had was and how it was classified. No, we don't know. Okay, we okay. don't know that. Now, we who knows? Know who knows? Obviously, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, National Archives know. Well, they should know, but they seem to have been unaware, right, that these documents were not in their possession, were in President Biden's possession. They didn't know that um, that. Former Vice President Pence had some documents in his But they don't know what level. Exactly. Oh, so National Archive doesn't know what level. No, apparently, because apparently they didn't realize that these documents that should should have been returned to them were not in their possession. Otherwise, they would have asked for it. You are the first person that I've talked to or or heard who said what you just said. Too many damn things. Too many damn things are, are classified. Are classified. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Wow. And that. Okay. Go so, ahead. Yes. So th- th- that's a, that's a larger context because my guess would be that. Um, and I, and I mean I, I I know this as a journalist. I also um, know this from talking to um, you know members of Congress who were like on the Intelligence Committee and and. They get taken into a secret, um, you know, a, a room with, yeah, they got a name you know, for it, except yeah. the skip, the skip, skip, yeah. right. And so they get they get taken into the, into this this room that can't be penetrated by listening devices and whatever in the basement somewhere. And they bring out this document and they look at it and they say, "Well, why why is this a big deal? Why is this class? You know, what I could have gotten this from from Wikipedia, you know, or I could I heard this on the radio. Why? Why? And you know, sometimes because of how they got the information or whatever, um, there's a legitimate 
reason that's not not immediately visible. So uh, this came from a, uh, a a spy inside the Kremlin, and and because of the detail in it, uh, it would um, it would compromise this person's identity if this got out. Sometimes, but sometimes no, it's not. Um, it, it doesn't look like it should be super secret. Right. And then there are, of course, other times when, yeah, it's secret yeah. as hell. You know, yeah. it's really, yeah. really sensitive stuff. Uh, but we have no idea whether these documents we're talking about, um, w- what level of okay. secrecy. Right. So I'm right on. Now, let me bring up somebody again. And here's what I'm doing, uh, folks. Uh, I, I don't get this chance too often to do, do this with Eugene Robinson. Oh, and I should point, how many Pulitzer Prizes do you have? Well, I have one. Okay. Have one. <laughs> yeah, go right ahead. Um, DeSantos. Oh, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, 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 and by the way, the, the, you know what, DeSantis, I'm sorry, did I say DeSantis? You said you were thinking about George Santos. Uh, you that, said both of them did. Both of them. Uh, yeah, did, right, let me go DeSantos. Let's go with him. DeSantis. I, I have yeah. never, I, I, in all the years, I have never even been exposed to this kind of thing. Yeah. To watch somebody get away with this. I, yeah. I mean, it, and, and I keep using sure. the word principle. It's like these these mega Republicans, MAGA Republicans, don't have principle. They, I mean, no, they, no, no. There's and, no and principles involved here. It's just this it's is na- It's naked ambition. There you go. That's what it is. It's ambition and opportunism. And so, DeSantis sees this. Now, this is this Santos. Let's make sure. We, I'm sorry. I'm talking about Santos. Oh, you're talking about George Santos. George Santos. Okay. I'll get to DeSantis later. Okay, <laughs> okay I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. George Santos. Yes. Well, that's, this is, you know, on the one hand, it's pathological, right? Because anybody who lies, I mean, he's barely been lying all his life. But, uh, but no, you're right. That is, that also is is naked ambition. I'll be whatever I think you want me to be. Therefore, I will be... Um, uh, and 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 I will invent the history uh, and the accomplishments and everything that I think you want to hear. And so he it, he is um, the House should expel him immediately because he is a he is a fraud. He he has defrauded the voters of that congressional district. They thought they were uh, electing. Uh, this um, successful Jewish businessman who was also Latino, who yeah, was also yeah. gay, who had gone to this school and, and you know Baruch College and and NYU, and he had, he was a volleyball star, and he had done this, and he had done he he had done all these things, uh, and that is a fictional character. That person does not exist. None of that is true. How and, did he get past the you, journalist? How well, did he get past uh, the the main uh, whatever we call okay. it mainstream media? So it is uh, there. There are kind of two answers to that, and and um, one is a, one answer, and I've, I've read this. A lot of people have talked about this. The near death of local journalism. The fact that. Um, 
and, and that goes back to the fact that the business model for print journalism is falling apart, and so so many um, you know X number of of local newspapers uh, close every week in this country. I mean, they're just shutting down the the, the tiny dailies and the weeklies and and. Uh, and and the newspapers and news organizations that remain don't have the resources sources they once had, and therefore they're not covering uh, government and politics um, uh, important stuff the way they used to. Uh, papers that used to have a you know a, a state capital bureau of of six or eight people or down to one reporter uh, who, who can't possibly. You know, do all of that now that's that's one answer um but this is within the circulation uh area of the new york times newsday uh you know some some pretty heavyweight uh newspapers well because and, and, one, and one of the reasons they're in new york exactly I mean, they're yeah. in new, come on I mean, and they, right and yeah. you've right you've got and you and so you've got radio you've got television you've got everybody Congressional race. This is an important race. It should have been, and and so everybody missed it. Everybody, everybody missed it. There were people covering this race, and they missed it, and and they missed it despite the fact that a local weekly, um, which probably has one reporter slash editor slash mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, cheap bottle washer. I mean, one person doing almost everything was on to him. And had written stories. They didn't know the whole entirety of of his lies, but they had tried to check out some of the things he said, and they weren't checking out. And they were, and so they. So it was a. It was a one local weekly newspaper. Newspaper had written a couple of stories, and this was a this was a paper that was owned and, and published by. A Republican who had run for that seat in the past was very conservative, um, and so they did a story saying this doesn't add up. We can't check this out. We don't know who this guy is. And then they did an editorial, and this is a this is a little little local paper, a weekly, always endorses the Republican, and uh, and the paper said. We are endorsing Democrat in this race. We cannot endorse George Santos because of the following, because of the following inconsistencies. We don't know who this guy is. And then, and, but that was not noticed or picked up on or followed up on by the larger media. And so it wasn't until after the election when the New York Times finally did, you know, an excellent story that should have been done, look, by them or by us or by somebody before the election and just sort of taking, peeling back this tissue of lies and uh, explaining that we have no idea who this guy now, is. Now, but you said that, that really Congress should expel him. Yeah, I, but I, the, but, the, but they're saying that the, the leadership now in the House is saying there's no precedent to this. And right. There's, there's no precedent, and and the the position that Speaker McCarthy is taking, which is the same position that Santos himself is taking, is that I was elected by the people of my district, and right. so uh, so you know, and that's the way it works, and 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 um, you know, they get the, they can fire me in two years, but uh, until they tell me to go away, I'm their representative, and I'm going to do my best representing. Well, 
That's not true, because those people elected thought they were electing somebody else, and they ended up getting this total fraud, and they're not happy about it. Um, and and it, it seems to me that uh, this is hopelessly idealistic, and it, and it won't happen, but shouldn't Republicans, Democrats, who don't agree on anything, but who have some respect for the institution, some principles, the, some principles, well, and yeah. some and, and 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 some respect for the for the House of Representatives, which is a historic institution, and 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 um, you know so many famous um, uh, and important figures in in our history have served in that chamber, um, and to to have a a total fraud who has defrauded the voters uh, to get his seat sitting there among them that to me as a member that would be unacceptable i'm sorry you know we can't but we 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 couldn't have that and um i, I got yeah but I, that's I, not gonna it's not gonna it, happen. it's not gonna, it's not happen. gonna happen no it's not gonna i don't think it's gonna happen until um he gets into more more serious legal trouble which looks pretty Likely, yeah. given the campaign yeah. finance question, and uh, I mean, yeah. he just yesterday, or I think, uh, amended his campaign finance file, and everybody wondered where he, he supposedly gave his or lent his campaign seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and now he's saying, "Well, the money was it wasn't a loan, um, but he didn't say exactly what it was." This is a man who was like sleeping on his sister's couch. Right. Uh, and and there's no indication that he's ever had substantial income. So where did the money, the money come, come from? from? You know, remember yeah. Deep deep Throat. Remember the old yeah. president's men follow the money. Uh, and prosecutors are following the money. And I my prediction, I don't have any inside information on this, but I think that that, you know, within you know, might probably take months. But I think there will likely be an indictment. It looks like mm-hmm. there's a pretty. You know, on its face, a violation of campaign finance. All right. One, uh, before I, I, are you okay? You comfortable? I'm good. All I'm right. Good. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just going to continue with this mm-hmm. word association. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I like this approach. Okay. So real quick before I, uh, DeSantis. Now I can say DeSantis. DeSantis. Right? Okay. All right. Now let it, now I'm going to tell you what uh, what I said. I would not, and I'm going. This is a history you would know. I'm going to go back in history. Mm-hmm. Um, Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah. Uh, Virginia, other Southern schools shut down public schools. Yeah, and you know right. that history. Mm-hmm. And then, like, like you said in the beginning, you were one of two mm-hmm. or three black students at, at de- High School, integrated yeah. uh, uh, right, a integrated high school. High school right. um, and I said, "Don't." Here's what you do to uh, defeat DeSantis's effort. And mm-hmm. I'm not speaking just legally. Yeah. He can do what, as a governor, certainly he can do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But let's take a page from the um, what they did in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And that is, after they shut down the, the public schools, mm-hmm. because Brown dealt with public schools, yeah. they created private schools. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so my, I said, look, Florida... Get retired, and and it was yesterday. I think we had uh, Henry Louis Gates on. Uh-huh. Uh Get and he agreed. I said, why don't we just get retired teachers, mm-hmm. college professors, uh, get the religious community, and why don't y'all create? And I referred to them as freedom schools. Freedom schools. 
and Excellent. and and yeah. just teach yeah. Black history. Maybe a Saturday. Yes. Go go to a go to the a lower level of a church, mm-hmm. and Saturday morning instead of cartoons or whatever, send your kids to these freedom schools, mm-hmm. and because he can't stop you from doing that. No, and the can't. key is 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 really to learn. Exactly. It, it really exactly. is to learn. Exactly. Now, you, you, it, it may not be accredited, mm-hmm. but then somebody pointed out about Chinese parents that take their kids after school to a Chinese school, I, which I didn't know, uh-huh. and then bar mitzvahs. Exactly. Which, exactly. Uh, right. Which re- requires a lot of schooling, a lot yeah, of study. Thank you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, uh, Absolutely. I, I mean, I wanted idea. to get your opinion about that. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. And then and beat those, him at his own game. Exactly. Because those communities have, have, um, have been able to maintain identity and history and, um, and, 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 and continuity and pride, um, uh, and sense of self uh, through those sort of extracurricular kinds of kind of school enterprises, schooling enterprises, yeah. educational enterprises. Absolutely, and, we and do that's that. what DeSantis Absolutely, is trying to that stop. Be done. He's trying I mean, to stop. That's what. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, I know, yeah. I, know, I know. I mean, he can. And and now maybe he's he might be crazy enough to do this. I mean, maybe he might create a a bunch of st- stormtroopers. I wish he would. And and but but I'm the reality, is, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. you can try that if you want, like uh-huh. you know. But I'm I'm just uh, it, you know, don't let him get away with not teaching, not, exactly. not you know, because exactly. you can learn it. You didn't learn black history in that all predominantly white high school you oh, went Lord, to. No, Lord, no. The, um, the, in my high school, the Civil War was not the Civil War; it was the war between the states, and. Um, uh, you, you know, it was and the lost cause exactly yeah. because this sort of lost cause mythology uh, was still bought by uh, the white by White Orangeburg, this big Confederate mon- monument in the middle of town. Of course, it was put up in eighteen. 18- 93, right? Not right after the Civil oh, War. Okay. But, yeah, was, yeah. But, but all these monuments and this whole lost cause mythology arose when Jim Crow was being mm-hmm. applied and and in, in response to that. And then, of course, in, in uh, there's a digression, but in my state in South Carolina, you had a big fight over the Confederate flag at the state capitol, and people didn't realize that flag didn't go up in 1861. It went up in 1961. During the civil rights movement, that flag was a big no to the put up as a big no to Brown versus Board and the and the federal government's uh, uh, attempts to end segregation. Uh, and people, so that's the kind of history mm-hmm. that apparently Ron DeSantis does not want us to know. But we know it, and we're going to teach it. And yeah, gonna, and, I mean, I'm yeah. doing a I'm doing a history book right now. Really, the history of my family. Yeah, okay. Because it goes back 200 years, starting wow. in Charleston, and my family, is, mother's side, father's mother's side, side, my mother's side of the family. Okay, and uh, my family is pack rats, and I grew up in a in the house. In a house that was built by my great grandfather. Yeah, but your mother became a librarian. Yeah, exactly, yeah. she's a librarian. Oh, okay, so she yeah. kept everything. Right, and uh, uh, and 
uh, and it's been in it's it's still in the same place it's been for the house built in 1903 so it's now how far, how far it, are you on this uh, history book i may be halfway through so um so i should be a little further so where along, do you but, find time to write when you're doing two columns a, well, a, a week this and, is this is why i'm not further than halfway oh, okay. through but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna have to take a little time off and um maybe you know, the next couple of months, um, uh, I'm going to, because I, I'm, I want to. What has to surprised wrap up a book. so much? What so far? What has surprised you, Eugene Robinson? So, I, so you, number one, you learn stuff about your own family that you didn't know. Um, uh, so here's an example. Okay. And, and, and where it takes you, right? So, I remember hearing, um, um, okay, back up, the house that I grew up in. House built by my great grandfather, who was kind of who kind of slipped through that Reconstruction window and became successful, became a lawyer, and this and that. And then Jim Crow kind of shut him down. But so he had six children who lived to adulthood, including my grandmother. She stayed in the house. Um, uh, so it was his house, and it was you know she was a teen and a young adult in the house, and then and then. Um, uh, and then my mother grew up there, uh, and my mother was an only child, and so you know, my my dad moved down there, and so my sister and I grew up in this house. So, um, and I remember hearing my grandmother talk about um, one of her brothers, a great uncle of mine, and just mentioned that he had served in World War One, and I didn't know anything about that. So I so I went and I looked up the records. Um, when I was doing this book, and I found out that not only did my Uncle Marion, who I never met, he died before I was born, um, not only did he serve in World War I, um, but he actually went uh, overseas. He went to France, and he fought in France. He was one of the Buffalo Soldiers. He mm. was, um, and so then I started researching, well, what about, African-Americans in the First World War. Right. And I learned that there were um, uh, something like 300,000, 400,000 African-Americans uh, served in the, in the Army. Um, not all that many actually went overseas. Yeah, a lot of, like my grandfather was under his papers as laborer. Uh-huh. But a lot of them were laborers right, yeah, of, of right. some type. My, yeah. my great-uncle had, um, had, had already studied to become... A pharmacist, and so he was. He got drafted in 1917. He got sent to training in Kansas, and they put him in a medical unit, and um, and 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 shipped him over. And I got the records as to when he went over, and you know the date in 1918 when he when he was sent over to the Western Front. Um, to, and he was in a, a a an ambulance unit, and they had two kinds of units. They had uh, the motorized ambulances, and they had the mule-drawn. No, yeah. mm-hmm. And the mule-drawn, he was in a mule-drawn ambulance, and that was more dangerous because the, the the motorized, the trucks, would get uh, stuck in the, in the mud of the fields of, of, uh, of northern France. And so, uh, but the mules could go anywhere. And so he would, his unit would go right to the front. Where mm. the Germans were shooting uh, mm. and 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 releasing poison gas and all the stuff they were this horrible stuff they were doing in World War One, they would go right to the front to get the wounded and then bring them bring them 
out and and uh, so he so he he did that so then what happened well he, he came home uh, the war ended november what 11th 1918 it wasn't until february that he could get on a ship bringing him home because there were 3 million american soldiers who had to come home um and after the war um th- that year 1919 um uh we saw in this country, the sort of social upheaval that the war had created. While all these white soldiers were, were away fighting, African-Americans had, had, um, who were not in the army had, had come to occupy a lot of jobs in manufacturing and, and, um, mm. uh, and mm-hmm. you know, major, major cities. Um, and so the white soldiers came back and uh, I want my job back. Well, um, so so that was a point of conflict. Conflict, and uh, the uh, African Americans who had served either stateside or overseas in the war, they had learned military discipline. They had um, uh, uh, they had you know gone in the military ranks and been promoted, and 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 they had a kind of different sense of themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, as as citizens uh, and uh, and what they were entitled and, and to, just as and, human, as, as and, human and beings, beings, right? right and right, and, right. Uh, and they had a lot of a lot of knowledge of, yeah. of military tactics. And stuff I was going like to say they had military exactly, training. They right, did, right, right. and especially the ones who went overseas and had been treated much better by the French people yeah. that they met than they were at home. So they came back and they were like, well, what? Different different attitude. And so that led to that year, 1919, the summer of that year is called the Red Summer because there were um, uh, white anti-black riots in cities across the country. Uh, Some of the the worst, uh, all starting, you know, actually late spring and going through uh, until the fall. Um, Every... uh, now, Certainly every week in Washington D.C. in Chicago. Did in, you find and, that your relatives were in somehow caught up in that? I know I did not find relatives who were caught up in in the violence, but I did learn a lot about what happened that summer. One of them, there was lynchings and 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 anti-black violence. There was some of it not far from my hometown uh, that my family was surely you know aware of and knew was yeah. going on. But what happened in D.C. and in Chicago and in cities across the country was black folks fought back. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, the, so it was um, rough. Uh, it rough was time. it was a rough time. Let's do this. Time. Let me take a quick. Let me take a break. Right, we take a break here. On the other side, and my my guest, I, I should point this out, is Washington Post columnist Eugene Robinson, Pulitzer Prize winner, in studio. Uh, with me, um, and we're sort of pe- playing this w- w- word, word association, um, and and one of the things uh, that we've talked about privately, and at different uh, opportunities we've had to be together, is these uh, mass shootings. Um, one of the things that I mentioned also, and get your take, your honest take on it. And that is, 
and I'll, I'll I'll just reduce it. I wish that wish that the parent a parent at Sandy Hook mm-hmm. would have had the courage that Emmett Till's mother had yeah, and showed yeah, yeah. what happened to that those babies. Yeah. Um, would have it made a difference? I don't know. I'd like to get your take on it. Uh, and and then that we just had Dr. Earl Afari Hutchison on, mm-hmm. uh, who said one of the criticisms of the media mm-hmm. that he has is that we're desensitizing. Yes, we're desensitizing uh, people because if it if it bleeds, it leads. There's too much reporting of mass shootings, and, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have a problem with it being reported. Yeah, but it's over and over and over again. Hold on a second. Let me get your response to that. Hold that point, and we'll continue here with Madison, the Black Eagle, in studio with me is uh, Eugene Robinson. We're coming right back. It is forty-six after the uh, the hour, and um, I I just I can't even begin to say how appreciative I am of having Eugene Robinson and in fact coming in studio it it, it, it you know cuz I'm I want people to understand cuz they they you know the people who watch you they 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 get about you know maybe 15 minutes and they <laughs> of, of of you and there's much more uh and like your history and 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 with the Washington Post my yeah, goodness it's been, man it's been a good run. I mean how do you survive that I mean you've survived strikes I mean African American yeah. you you've yeah. had a uprising by African Americans yeah, yeah. at the uh, post how many ownerships <laughs> you Well uh, just 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 two, two but okay. um, the Grams and the Grams and now Bezos Bezos um but you know and several Several editors, um, uh, executive editors, and you know. I'm now, do the- they tell you? Do uh, how do you decide with two art with two columns yeah. a week? How do you, Eugene Robinson? How do you decide uh, this is what well, I'm going to 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 write? And then you have to get it through an editor, or yeah, I do. Oh, go ahead. So I write um, in the uh, my deadline is I, I write on Mondays and Thursdays. And um, it, and, the, and the column is generally in the paper on Tuesday and Friday, but in the online era, that gets a little flexible, right? Because my column for that's in the Tuesday paper actually will get posted on Monday night, and this and that. Anyhow, I write um, mostly in the morning. My deadline's about two o'clock, about two p.m. Uh, so uh, I. <laughs> I write about what I want to write about, and that's I guess that's why I've been able to keep doing this. But after uh, forty years, you you have earned that 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 right. Yeah, I mean that. that's kind of the that's that's the way we um, uh, that's why we do it. I mean, if you have a column, um, our, our editorial page editor now, David Shipley, likes to say a column is a sovereign country, you know, and so. Um, uh, um, his predecessor, Fred Hyatt, who, who um, unfortunately passed away a, a year, mm-hmm. year and a half ago, was um, uh, uh, under him. The paper, the editorial board, would write in the in the unsigned editorials 
was very supportive of the Iraq war, for example. I was not. And so it was fine that they would have an editorial that was supporting the policy. But then and were, I would have a, a write on the other page, yeah. on the next page, there would be my column opposing it. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's okay. So uh so I so I have freedom in terms of topic. Now I I will, however, uh check with uh my editor. Uh I have an editor I work with and I would check with her just to see if there's um you know, do we have I was thinking I might write about the classified documents today, but do we already have three oh, or four people who've yeah, already written yeah. about that? So you that? have to come up. With, yeah, you don't. Yeah. Uh, you don't want it. You don't want to. Yeah. You know. You just don't want to. And and so, I mean, the the way it works is, if there's something I really want to write about, uh, then it kind of doesn't matter, and I, yeah. I, I I do whatever uh, I want. It, now let me go back. Are, are are you guys in in mainstream? Are you desens- Are we desensitizing? Um, the 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 public when it comes to these mass shootings are we creating uh, copycats at some point? When is enough enough? Uh, does it have to be every day, all day, all week long? Well, um, I, I I don't think there's a I don't think there's a right answer to that question because. You can't not cover it. I mean, you talk about desensitizing. I know you got. You have you, to cover you it. You have to cover it. And and, and Earl and of Fire Hutchison co- said that this morning. Yeah, He's yeah. not saying don't cover yeah. it. No, you have to cover it. Now, do so. How do you cover it? I'm. I don't have all the answers, and it may be that we give it too much ink. I mean, there's all. We've already developed the habit, for example, of not. Um, a lot of uh, uh, people kind of go out of their way not to to mention the name of the assailant. Yeah, he, right? he mentioned that today. I, I, mean, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote about the mass shootings on Monday, and uh, I did not mention the person's name. Yeah. And, th- and that was almost my reflex. I just realized at the end of the column, oh, I didn't put the name. Yeah, cause these, you know, right? it, yeah, yeah. yeah because that people looking for, and Earl mentioned that, yeah. people want that. Fifteen minutes of, of exactly. Fame. So yeah. Um, uh, now, does that deter any of these people? Is anybody gonna you know who's who's crazy enough to say I'm gonna go shoot up a school? Going to be deterred if they say, oh, oh well, I guess I won't do it because I won't get my name in the paper as much, you know, after I'm dead. I mean, I don't know if that uh, has an impact, but it it feels like the right thing to do. Uh, but if you if you cover it less, are you saying that it's somehow acceptable? That it, are you saying that it's somehow um, ordinary and that we should just move on, or or not? And and, and like I said, there's not a right answer to that. Well, question. is it's it a difficult? It, question. Yeah, and I I think part of the difficulty, the news business has 
changed, as you know, mm-hmm. and correct me if you think I'm wrong here. Yeah. It's it's now 24 hours, exactly. seven days exactly. a week. And that's, I mean, and I that used, is the difference. Yeah, right? yeah I, it yeah. used to be the evening news, and that was that was that it. Was that. that you, was and it. And you got the newspaper in the morning, and then you had the evening news, and that, yeah. was, and that was it until tomorrow. Yeah. And Do now, you miss newspapers? I mean, the physical touch of newspapers. Well, I still get the newspaper, but um, uh, but. I yes, I miss it. I miss uh, in, I miss a lot of things about the way like what? things were. Uh, um, I miss the um, um, th- th- on, on the one hand now now that we're twenty four seven, we are constantly updating and and you know we have these news hubs in Seoul, Korea, and in London. So so mass shooting story when. Ed, when editors and reporters are asleep here, there are people in South Korea who will run that story, this U.S. story, for the Washington Post uh, during the night, and then they'll hand it off to another group of reporters and editors in London, and then they'll and then they'll hand it back off to Washington in the morning. I mean, this is the way we work now. This is, wow, this is crazy, um, yeah. and uh, and and so it allows us to be a twenty four seven. News operation, and that's what you have yeah. to be now. Okay. There was something about when, when I, we I've were got less than a minute, but you know. when we were just doing it once a day, I think we I think we put more attention to to craft, to that's, history, that's a, yeah. and um uh, and to being definitive. And yeah. there was some there's there's a quality there that we're yeah. missing now. And it's Everything. not about getting it first, getting it right. Exactly. Yeah. You had to get, get it, right. it right. Worst thing in the yeah. world was putting something we, in the newspaper. We, we haven't mentioned her, but your 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 very talented and beautiful wife, Avis. Uh, man, <laughs> I I mean, yeah. she is a pub. What do we call it? A public artist. Yeah. And yeah, doing yeah. She's, great. She's now she has artist. work coming up at where? Well, at the real quick uh, at the. Um, can you talk about well, it? Well, I can't. I can't. I can't, I can't right, talk uh, about all, all all of what she's doing, but I will just say that you will. Um, uh, especially people um, here in Washington, people who read the paper, they're going to see yeah. some of her work soon. Yeah, it really is gorgeous. Exciting. Outstanding really artist. Really can we do this again? We absolutely can. I mean, you absolutely know, can. I, I, I hope so. And, uh, and You please... won't be able to get rid of me. You'll say, right, is Gene leaving? You no, know, you leaving, you know. <laughs> I, I, I can't No, this is really it. fun. And you, no. are, you are so great. You are the... I, 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 I'm, yeah, but I got to tell you, I am intimidated whenever I have to interview somebody like Eugene Robinson because there's just so much history there. And thank you for coming in. There's so much we can talk about. I'm so I'm so happy to be here. We, we and all I'll, I'll be back. Okay. Eugene okay. Robinson, all of you have a great day. Thank you, everybody. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.